I'm Courtney. And this is Madison. We're striving to know, love, and serve God where we are with what we have. If you are too, join us. Hello, listeners. This is another sad episode where you have to listen to just me because this is the one, one of them that Courtney and I recorded together and then was lost. And in fact, my ticket on the Hot Mess Express this week is the fact that I have tried to record this six times and have been unsuccessful. So I am praying to the Lord that this is the time that we will get it done. I know I say every week that this is my favorite chapter, but this truly is one of my favorite chapters in this book because this is getting into it where we actually start interacting with the text. Um, Now, the like what we've talked about in previous episodes cannot be downplayed. Like the importance of it cannot be downplayed. So let's just review and then we will talk about chapter six, studying with process. So we have looked at scripture and the need to read it as if it is a book about God rather than me, because it is. We give books the respect of allowing them to be what they are, whether it be a biology textbook or history textbook or a work of fiction or a cookbook. Um, There are different rules for interpreting different types of books, and so we have to interpret scripture with the lens as if it really is what it says it is. Um, Jen calls the one big story of scripture, the meta narrative, and she defines that as the reign and rule of God. I love this definition. I would define it just a little bit differently. Scripture is one big story, um, tells of creation, fall and redemption, and then the consummation of the redemptive plan that God has put in place. But I like to define scripture as a book that reveals who God is in his redemptive plan for humanity. It's a pretty fun exercise. If you've not ever read through scripture, definitely read through scripture and come up with your own little one-liner, your definition of what it is. Um, we've also talked about biblical literacy, what it is and why it's important. We have talked about digging in to understand the context of a passage or a book that is written prior to studying it. We absolutely have to read each of the individual works of literature within the Bible in its correct setting and its correct culture and within its correct genre. So that's a very, very important step um, for becoming a woman of the word. And then last week we talked about exercising patience because studying scripture is a process. It takes time and it takes effort and the fruit is not always yielded immediately, but it is always worth it. When I think about studying scripture and exercising the patience that we need because the payoff is so big, I think about food. And studying scripture according to the process that Jen lays out in this book is like going to the farmer's market and purchasing fresh produce and coming home, chopping it up, fixing a lovely meal and really giving it the time and the attention and the quality that it deserves and producing this yummy, delicious, nutrient-dense meal. The flip side of that is a TV dinner, and I have been guilty for so many years of approaching scripture with a TV dinner kind of mindset, putting in a few minutes, thinking I'm going to get something out of it, and um, just not being a good steward of God's word. So very grateful to have come across this book a number of years ago and to be sharing it with you guys. Today, we're actually going to talk about interacting with the text itself. 
Jen lays this out in three steps, comprehension, interpretation, application, and we will study these more as we get into them. But um, yeah, we'll just get into that. There is a little intro section to this chapter that I really like. Jen talks about the importance of having a process to follow um, versus just willy-nilly. And she gives some stories about her and her husband and the different ways that they work. And I just thought it was so funny because in our family, I am the Wilkin way person. I like a process so that we can maximize the chances that we will get the desired outcome. And Tommy is more of the willy-nilly person. So it was just funny to read about that dynamic in their marriage too. She also gives an example to help us understand the difference in comprehension, interpretation, and application. And she does so using an alarm clock. So in the morning, an alarm clock goes off and we answer the question, what does this say? What is happening? This is comprehension. My alarm is going off. Um, the next step is interpretation. And that is my brain saying, it means it is 530. It is time to get out of bed. Let's go. And then the last step is application. So how does this change me or how does it change the way I live? Well, the application in the alarm clock scenario is me actually getting out of bed and beginning my day. And so we are going to look at this within the context of studying scripture. Step one, comprehension. We are simply identifying what the passage says. The tools that we will need for this are a printed copy of the text, some colorful highlighters and pins, an English dictionary, or even a Bible dictionary. Um, I find that the Bible dictionary will have people and places in them that an English dictionary will not. And then also, if you look up righteousness in an English dictionary versus righteousness in a biblical dictionary, um, you'll get a definition in the biblical dictionary that is a little bit more specific to the context of the Bible. So while Jen rec recommends an English dictionary, I would recommend taking it a step further and just getting a Bible dictionary. Um, so these are the things that you will need. And as we are discussing different tools for Bible study, I want to point out to you guys that we have a Bible studies resource list available. Um, if you follow us on Instagram, it is at crawling to the cross. It is in the link tree in the bio. So you can access it that way. And then I will also try to remember to put it in the description of this episode so that you may access those. All right, back to the process, the different tools you will need and how to use them. The first tool is a printed copy of the text. Jen recommends, you know, like actually printing out a copy of the text and not using your Bible. Um, I am a fan of this. You can go to BibleGateway.com and you can pick the translation that you want. You can actually even pick multiple translations and look at them side by side. Um, that will help us in the interpretation step. And we will talk more about that later. Uh, but that's a really cool thing that you can do. And you can make the margins as thick as you want. You can double or triple space. Um, you can really customize it to your preferences. There are also scripture journals that are available. I've seen the ESV and the SB, not SBC, <laughs> CSB versions of scripture journals available on Amazon. And I don't know if there are other translations as well, but I know that you can at least get those too. I like the scripture journals because they're very pretty. They're collated, um, easy to keep everything organized, but I don't love the way they are laid out. So on one side of the book, you have 
the text, and then on the other side you have lines to make notes. And the text is not double-spaced. I will really, really like double-spaced text so that I can make notes like right next to a certain word or a certain verse or something like that. Um, and so for that reason, I don't, I don't love the scripture journals, but they are, like I said, very pretty collated and they're not super expensive. Uh, another way that I will like use a printed copy of a text for this method is in my journal Bible, like a journaling Bible. Um, I mark it up. I highlight it up. It does have the limitation of not being double spaced. And, you know, so there's like the margins are super full and there's arrows going everywhere. But I love that it is the Bible and it's all together in one place. Um, the scripture journals, you know, you buy them individually. And so you may lose one, misplace one. And I certainly, when I print out the text from Bible Gateway, it's hard to identify like which book is which. And so it's very hard to keep those organized. So I do like my journaling Bible for the purpose of repetitive reading and annotating the text. So once we obtain a printed copy of the text, we will read it over and over again. And how many times you read it depends on you. You read it however many times you need to, to fully grasp what is being said. Of course, if you're reading a smaller book of the Bible, like James, it's just five chapters, you are going to probably read it a lot. You could probably read it once a day, every day that you're studying it. Whereas a longer book like Exodus with 30-something chapters might read it a fewer amount of times. Um, but repetitive reading, especially in busy seasons when you don't necessarily have time to dig in, look up words in a dictionary, read multiple translations, anything like that, um, develop your own interpretation. Just repetitive reading is good, good stuff. Um, and then after we've read it a couple of times, we will annotate the text. We will mark it up. Y'all, I love marking up the text because I need the process of Bible study to be engaging to me. Partly because I do it first thing in the morning and I have a tendency to fall asleep if it is not engaging. Um, but then also it is just simply how I learn. It's how my brain works. I am not a smart person. I cannot read something one time and then know it. Um, so I need to be looking at the details, figuring out how they fit together and annotating, marking up the text helps me with that. It also helps me to just slow down and simply recognize the details. So what are you going to mark up? That is completely up to you and Holy Spirit, who you hopefully have invited into your study of the word through prayer. Um, but repeated words and phrases, we'll just go through a few things that Jen recommends. Um, repeated words and phrases are one of those. Is some, if something is repeated, it is probably important and it is probably drawing on a main theme of that book or that passage. Um, so definitely mark those up. Attributes of God, God's character. We want to mark those up because the primary purpose of coming to scripture is to know him and to delight in him. And we cannot love with the heart what we do not know with our minds. So marking and um, looking for and being aware of the attributes of God in scripture is very important. Identify any lists or numbers that are in scripture um, and like actually number one, two, three, four, five. It's crazy how many lists there are. Um, I also really like to make charts. You can identify lists in there, but you can also identify like comparisons. Um, in a lot of Paul's letters, there's a comparison of someone living or walking in the flesh versus someone living and walking in the spirit. 
Um, so that would just be one example, but I love to make lists and charts. Um, and then we also want to mark words that we don't understand or only have a contextual understanding of. This happens to me a lot because I was blessed to grow up in the church and attending Christian school. So I'm very familiar with like words that you see in the Bible, like justification, righteousness. Um, but sometimes Holy Spirit will just set off a red flag when I'm studying a passage. And this happened a number of weeks ago with righteousness. That's why I keep bringing it up. But I have a contextual understanding of that. And I really wanted to know what the Bible's understanding of that was. And so one resource that I love for things like this is the Lexham Theological Workbook that is listed in our Bible Studies resource page. Um, but I love that so much because it will pick a word and it's kind of like a lazy word study thing, like where you don't have to do your own word study. Somebody's already done it and put it in a book for you. Um, but it will talk about righteousness from the perspective of the Old Testament and how it's used in the Old Testament and then how that word or that theme is developed in the New Testament. So it's, um, it's a pretty cool resource. I like it. It's expensive, but I think it's worth it. Um, you can also just look these words up in an English dictionary or like I have already tried to sway you guys toward um, is a Bible dictionary. Um, so you can mark those up. Also mark transition words like therefore, if, then, likewise, but, because, because these are going to help you link ideas um, with other ideas or help you link a certain doctrine or teaching with how we apply it in our lives. Um, so definitely mark these transition words and then write down any questions you might have. I don't know what I've said on here that's actually been posted and which one were on the episodes that we lost, but y'all, sometimes I walk away from studying the Bible with more questions than I do answers. And I feel like that's okay because that is an area or an opportunity for me to draw near to the Lord and to spend time in his word, um, to try to, to try to find those answers. If I can, some stuff, I think I'll just never understand until the other side of glory. Um, so write down those questions and yeah, when I am marking up a text, I will like use what Jen used as a starting point. Um, and I think you should too, but then also again, be open to Holy Spirit and what he is teaching you in a certain passage. I have a friend now who is reading through scripture and she is highlighting every time that God speaks in a certain color. And she's highlighting every time God speaks to a woman in pink. And so like it's different colors, but like this is one theme that she's looking at through this trip through scripture um, is like what God is saying and specifically what God is saying to women. And so like that's how she's marking up her text. Um, so this is a good guideline or a good way like for you to get started marking up the text if you feel like you need to get started with that. But then also don't put yourself in a box. Um, also in the comprehension phase, you may want to interact with other translations. So if you primarily read NIV, you may want to consult ESV or the NLT or insert whatever other translation you would like to hear. Um, 
Jen points out the difference in translations and paraphrases in her book, and I think that is something important to note. Um, specifically, the message is a paraphrase of scripture, so it would be a really good kind of commentary for scripture. It is not necessarily a translation. Translation committees usually have two primary goals when they are translating scripture, and one is to create an English translation that is most closely matches word for word what the original text meant. And then another primary goal that they have would be like readability or communicating a thought. And these are called thought for thought translations. Um, they're a little bit easier to read, a little bit easier to understand. Um, and then you also have mixed where the primary goal is to communicate the original language word for word but then if there's something that's really tricky because of syntax then they are going to insert like a thought for thought translation for that particular phrase so I hope I didn't get too in the weeds with that um but just be mindful that when you are comparing translations it may be a good idea to look at the goals of that translation committee um and then be aware of what you are using that's a paraphrase and what you're using that is an actual translation and then the final um, step in this part of the process is outline. And I love how encouraging Jen is with this. She says, just give it a shot. Like, just do it. Just try it out. And I appreciate that so deeply because I do, um, I don't know, kind of struggle in creating an outline. And so I usually do this in pencil and I mark up certain things on the text. Like, okay, this will be the first point. These are the sub points. Well, can I um, marry these two points together into one point? Uh, and things like that. So just give it a shot. Compare what you come up with to other people, like in a discipleship group, um, or compare your outline to different outlines that you may find in a commentary. And that brings us to the close of step one. So we will move on to step two, which is interpretation. So in step one, we have answered, what does it say? What does this portion of scripture say? And in number two, we're answering, answering, what does it mean? Interpretation is the ability to deduce things from the text beyond what it says. And in this section, the tools that you will need are cross-references and your ability to paraphrase. So you'll probably want a journal or a piece of paper, pen, whatever, to do that. Um, I prefer to have Bibles that have the cross-references in them. But what I have noticed is that like certain translations will cross-reference certain verses and they won't cross-reference other verses. Um, and just the more time I spend in scripture, as I am reading a certain passage, I've noticed that Holy Spirit will remind me that this is very similar to this other passage, this other story. And so as you build up that muscle, that would be a way for you to cross-reference as well. Cross-references are so important because the Bible is one big story. It's telling one big story. And so we want to use scripture to interpret other scripture because the themes throughout scripture are consistent. And um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. And then um, once you've looked up cross-references and you've defined these words that maybe you didn't understand or you wanted to have a deeper understanding of, now it is time for you to paraphrase. And I don't want you to shy away from paraphrasing. I'm not sure how you feel about this individually because... I don't know you. We ain't sitting and talking together. I'm just kind of talking into the computer. But in studying the Bible and 
community settings, I have noticed that there is a um, kind of resistance to wanting to create a paraphrase to scripture. And I think it comes from a really good place. Everyone who has told me that they don't like paraphrasing scripture has told me that they do not want to do so because they don't want to record an inaccurate interpretation or an inaccurate paraphrase. And that to me reveals how highly these individuals view scripture. And I think that is a good thing. But I think it is also important to remember that if you're making a paraphrase for you, it is for you in your learning process. And you may also share it um, in a group setting, like in a study setting, for the purpose of ensuring that it is correct. Um, and so allow Holy Spirit to work in you. Like, do we believe what John tells us or what Jesus tells us through John's gospel that Holy Spirit is here to teach us and to bring to mind everything that he has taught us? I think yes. And so I think that through the power of the Spirit and our diligent time in scripture, we can create paraphrases. Um, and you're also not disseminating it to anyone saying like that this is the end all be all interpretation of this section of scripture. Um, so I think that's really, really important to remember. And then once you've developed your paraphrase, check it against other people in your learning community, in your discipleship group, and check it against commentaries. This is, um, well, you know, I would say that this is the time to bring in commentary, but you may want to consider bringing it, bringing it in after the application phase. Um, but I think this is a good time, a good place in the process to bring in commentary. Say, okay, this is what I believe this section of scripture means and what it is saying, and then to check it against multiple biblical commentators. If you spend any time in commentary, you will come to realize like there are certain issues where scholarship is by and large agreed. And there will be some outliers, but mostly everybody's going to be saying the same thing. And then there are other... <laughs> parts of scripture where there is really no consensus in biblical scholarship. And so what you will read in commentaries is vastly different. Um, okay. The final step is application. Um, and in this step, we're answering the questions of what does this passage teach me about God? How does this aspect of God's character change my view of self? And then how should I respond? Um, I don't have in my notes that she gave an example on this, but she's so good at giving examples. I can't imagine that she wouldn't. Um, so one, I'll just give you an example from my own life. Genesis one teaches us that through his spirit, God creates order from the chaos. And because this is God's character to bring order and peace. And I am his image bearer. I have that responsibility in my home to create order through processes, through making sure we pick it up, um, and that will therefore bring peace. But then I also have the responsibility to bring peace through my temperament and how I parent um, and things like that. So that view of God, me understanding a little bit about his character, me understanding that I am his image bearer, me understanding my call to um, disciple my children, that changes the view of me and how I am supposed to image God in my home. And so how do I respond to that? Like, what do I change? Well, it's, you know, having a schedule for our day. It's having some structure in our playtime. It's ensuring that cleaning up and keeping a somewhat 
non-disastrous environment um, is a part of our days. Uh, It's making sure that I'm parenting with gentleness and kindness in a way that brings about reconciliation and therefore peace and not, um, you know, punishment for the sake of getting back at somebody for breaking a rule, um, things like that. So that was kind of a lot of attributes of God in one, but there you go. That's just how my mind goes. Um, So the application part is the actual living out of what we learn by interacting with scripture. And it's our favorite point. Like we want to know who God is and how we should be different because of that. But um, we can't get there if we don't put the time and the effort and exercise patience in the comprehension and in the interpretation phase. And depending on how much time you have every day to spend in scripture, you may not go through all of these steps in one day. Um, If I am studying a book of scripture deeply and slowly, and I have the benefit of spending time, I will spend a couple days just on comprehension and just reading and rereading and marking and looking up and all of these things um, before getting down to the application point. So um, just to close this out, I want to say again that it's really, really worth the effort. Um, On page 109, Jen says that studying the Bible with process Oops. Um, Some encouragement that Jen gives at the end of this chapter is to start sloppy and trust God to work in the process. I love that. Just do it. Um, And then also to ask God for what we need. And that brings us to the next topic that we will talk about, which is in chapter seven, and that is studying with prayer. Um, It is the shortest chapter in the book. It is also the sweetest chapter of the book. It has so many good prayers that I have just like read verbatim to the Lord before, after, and during studying. Um, And so I'm excited to talk about that with you guys next week, hopefully with Courtney at my side. So, um, well, you know, when I say next week, I'm actually going to be out of town next week. So it'll probably be in two weeks, barring that we don't have any IT issues again. So I appreciate you guys hanging out for the ride. Check out our Bible Studies resource page for more resources. And thanks for listening.